Hello, everybody. Welcome to Awaken Podcast. I am your host, Michael Lombardo. We are releasing new shows every Monday and Thursday, interviews with amazing people from around the world that have a powerful story and message in this time, as well as teaching shows and testimonies where I where I share from the scriptures and really want to bring a fresh revelation of Jesus to you so you could walk an empowered life in the Holy Spirit. And so this is part two of our series entitled The Supernatural Power of Grace. You can go back on previous episodes and you can see part one entitled Defining Grace if you want um, the foundation for this show. But really what I want to do, it's not going to be a long show, probably about 15 minutes. I just want to show you some scriptures here that really highlight our identity in Christ because of his grace, who we are in him, how he sees us, regardless of our behavior, regardless of what we do in our everyday lives. I highlighted in the last episode that grace is a covenant of heart transformation, not performance orientation. He's not trying to change our performance. He's trying to change our hearts. And then from there, we get empowered by his grace to live according to his word and his ways. And I also talk about how grace is not a license to sin, but it is our power to overcome sin and live a holy life in Christ. Okay, so if you want to go back, listen to part one so you get a little bit of framework here for what I'm getting into today. But I want to share a little bit of my heart as well as some scriptures that I pulled out to tell you and declare to you who you are in Christ now. And so Romans 8.1 says there is no condemnation in Christ. There is no condemning word against us in Christ. And that we could be never separated from God's love. That's Romans 8.39. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says we have wisdom from God. Right now, we have God's wisdom. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says we are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has fully come. Galatians 3.26 says we have become God's children. Ephesians 1.3 says that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Ephesians 1.7 says we have forgiveness of sins. That is right now. All of these scriptures are completely independent of your performance and your behavior, how you live as a believer. When you receive Christ in your heart, it is by grace, through faith, not of works, so that no one can boast before God. So when you are born again, when you come into the kingdom of heaven through faith, the grace of God is lavished on you, and this becomes who you are, and nothing can change it. Nothing can change it. No sin can change that, okay? Ephesians 1.11 says that we are chosen in him. Ephesians 1.12 says we are for the praise of his glory. We are for his glory. Ephesians 2.6 says we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. We are seated with the Lord in the heavens. It says in Ephesians 2, 7, that we have been given incomparable riches of God's grace. Wow, that is incredible. It says in Ephesians 2, 13, that we were once far away, but we've been brought near by his blood. Ephesians 3, 12 says that we may approach God now with freedom and confidence, not condemnation, like I mentioned earlier, not, not with shame, not with a guilty conscience, but we can approach him with boldness, with freedom and confidence, not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done for us. Ephesians 5, 8 says that we are light. We are not trapped in darkness anymore. We are light and we are in the light of the son of God. Philippians 4, 19 says that all of our needs are met according to his riches and grace and glory in Christ Jesus. And so all of our needs are met. We're blessed with every spiritual blessing. Like I mentioned earlier, Colossians 1, 2 says, that we are holy and we are faithful. 
We are holy and we are faithful. Colossians 2, 9 through 10 says that we've been given the fullness of deity. We've been given the fullness of God dwelling on the inside of us. Scripture also says that we're a temple of the Holy Spirit, that he has made our body his home and he does not live in a dirty temple, okay? He cleansed us from the inside out by grace and his supernatural power, the Holy Spirit, and now we are a suitable, sanctified, holy home for God to live in. Colossians 3, 3 says our life is now hidden in Christ. He is in us and we are in him, okay? And you did not make this happen on your own. If you can't, you know, if, um, if you can't make yourself righteous, then you also can't make yourself unrighteous by your sinful behavior. Okay. This is a vital truth. And this is not saying that you could do whatever you want. Now this is a license to sin and do whatever you want. This is saying we need to capture this revelation of who we are in Christ, independent of our behavior, that he loves us and he's never going to stop loving us, that we are holy as holy as he is holy. According to the scriptures, that's not me, that's not Michael Lombardo, that is the scriptures. We are as holy as he is holy. We are with him in the heavenly realm. This is a reality for us believers. The more you believe this, the more you rely on this, cling to this, trust in this word, the more we'll be empowered to live that way. This is very, very important. And you know, I used to feel unworthy to approach God when I sinned. I used to feel dirty, hypocritical. I was attending Bible school preaching Christ to my unsaved friends, pursuing full-time ministry, yet there were nagging sins in my life that I couldn't shake. To the accuser, he would whisper into my ear, God can't use you. You can't get it right. He'll use someone else instead of you. God is aggravated with you because of your constant failings. These are things that would go on in my brain. And if I was doing the right thing, if I was reading my Bible, praying, sharing the gospel, I was on cloud nine, encountering the Lord, living in victory. But if I didn't read my Bible enough, or I did something stupid, or if I said something to somebody I shouldn't have said, boom, right back to condemnation in that cloud of darkness and and beating myself up. And that's not how the Lord wants us to live. Little did I know at that time that God wasn't surprised or taken off guard by my sin, and he isn't with yours either. Some of the most revolutionary truths have come alive in me in the darkest times of wrestling with the enemy's lies. The truth is, in and of ourselves, we are 100% unworthy to approach God in and of ourselves. But the good news is Jesus came down. He clothed himself in our humanity. He took our sin upon himself and he clothed us in his perfect righteousness. Jesus has made you worthy to approach God and sin can't take that away from you. This is the gospel. It's controversial. (laughs) The apostle Paul said he was even accused of preaching. Oh, we could just sin till our hearts content then. No, he was preaching freedom from sin and the grace of God. You are now holy in the eyes of God because you've been baptized in the spirit of holiness. You can now stand blameless in God's presence without guilt. I want these words to wash over you so that you feel them, so that you receive them. Holiness is a gift from God to you. You can't earn holiness. If you could, it wouldn't be a gift. You're the righteousness of God in Christ by no merit of your own, but by the perfect merit of the Son of God. Gifts are not earned, they are received. Jesus took on your identity as a sinner when he was on that cross so that you could take on his identity as God's holy and beloved son or daughter. Because of this, you have the same right as Jesus to stand in the Father's presence as he does. Jesus' blood was enough. No sin can alter that reality. We're not that important at the end of the day. Like what we do can't affect or change what Christ has 
done. God is not an Indian giver. He won't take away your righteousness because of your sin. In fact, he went to great lengths to take away your sin and give you his righteousness. He's not fickle. He's not an Indian giver. That goes for all of your sin, past, present, and future. If Jesus didn't die for every sin you'll ever commit, then he'd have to come back and die a second time for all the sins he missed. Think about that. He is the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. Done deal. Sealed by the Spirit of God within you. And you might say, okay, well, we got to live holy, right? Absolutely. But you need to know who you are in Christ first. There is no way to live holy unless you see Jesus for who he is and you know who you are. The more you spend time in his presence, the more you see him for who he is, the more you will be naturally transformed into his image. And the more we see ourselves as Christ's beloved son, that we're loved, that you know, we're grateful for what he did for us because we see what he did for us. It's in, the, it's in the forefront of our minds. The more we walk this out. Yes, holiness is not only a gift from God, but holiness is the fruit of God's empowering grace within us. The more you grasp what Christ has done for you and all you've become in him, the more you will walk according to your divine and holy nature. Holiness is a fruit of true grace. It's important for me to say that. Holiness is a gift of true grace. But equally important for you to know that as the Son is holy, as Jesus, you are holy. As the Son is loved, you are loved by God. In the same manner that Jesus is seated with God, spiritually, you are as well. The same access Jesus has to the Father, you have also. You are a co-heir with Christ and you're a sharer in all that is his. That is the gospel. If you read the scriptures, if you read the epistles, that is exactly what you're going to find there. And I want to pull something out of 1 John, okay? Um, it's only natural to stumble over some words in the epistle of 1 John, all right? It's very black and white. If you're not careful, it's easy to misinterpret it. This is a book of the Bible. It's black and white. <laughs> it says, if you're an unbeliever, you're of the devil. And if you're a believer, you're of God, okay? There's no gray lines. There's no blurry areas, Verses like 1 John 3, 6 say, no one who abides in him sins and no one who sins has seen him or knows him. Wow, that's pretty straightforward. And like I said, if you're not careful and don't have a solid foundation in God's grace, it's easy to think that the Apostle John is saying that born again believers don't sin. And if they do, they don't know God after all. Take a look at the church in the world, any church in the world, and it's plain to see that believers still sin. Okay, and if that means the church worldwide isn't truly born of God, then we have a serious problem, okay? It is vital that we see the context here so we rightly divide the word of God. Instead of heaping condemnation or confusion with these passages, it should be a reason to rejoice. Let's look at 1 John 3, verses 7 through 8. Little children, make sure that no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. And the one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. All right, that's scripture. And now, look carefully at the apostle's usage of the word practice, because this is key to helping us understand what he's trying to say. If you're one who practices righteousness, then you are just as righteous as Jesus is. That is a deep reality. Can you see that in the text? Now, practicing righteousness doesn't mean you are living perfectly and sinless without falling short, ever. For instance, if you're practicing guitar, it just means you're aiming to get better. You're still learning. You don't know everything, and you sure don't have it all right. You could still play wrong notes. 
You still don't know what you're doing. Your fingers still need, you know, some some practicing to get nimble to play certain songs. Even the greatest musicians can't play perfectly. We could always grow and get better if you're a musician. So if you're on this path of practicing righteousness to be more Christ-like, you are just as righteous as him. And that's not one day if you keep practicing, you'll be just as righteous as him. It's no, if you are in the act of practicing, you are just as righteous right now as him, independent of your immaturity, your weaknesses, and your shortcomings. Every believer practices righteousness. That's what John's saying. If you're a believer, you have a new heart and you're practicing righteousness. Some of us are not so good, like a lot of people are not so good at guitar, and some of us are yeah, pretty good, and some of us are killing it, okay? But at the end of the day, you are just as righteous if you are practicing righteousness. And you're a believer if you're practicing righteousness. You may falter and fail, but you don't want to. You don't want to. The more you believe in your God-given holiness, the more you will get better at living the holy life. God has called to you. You are holy and you are called to holy living, but you can't walk in holiness unless you embrace the grace of God, unless you know who you are in Christ. The Christian life is impossible without the influence of God's enabling presence. Just like I told you, the definition of God's grace in the first part, in part one, is the enabling presence of God, the divine presence of God on the human heart that has its reflection in our life. We cannot live this Christian life without the influence of God's presence on our hearts. I'm going to say this, God is bigger than your sin. He knew your failures, your shortcomings before you ever committed them. He is all-knowing, and yet he still chose you. He knew you were going to mess up, and he knows every sin you'll ever commit until the day you die, and he still chose you, and he still loves you. You didn't choose him. He knew about your porn problem. He knew about your lying issues. He knew about your selfishness, your pride, your anger, your greed. He knew about everything, and he still chose you. God knew exactly what he was getting himself into when he called you by name and he sealed you as his son or daughter. The Holy Spirit spoke this to me when I was feeling down because of my shortcomings. He said to me one time, son, remember yesterday when you encountered me and I poured out my love on you? And I said, yes, Lord, of course I do. How could I forget that? And then he went on to tell me, I knew that you were going to stumble today. I knew it. And I still lavished my love on you yesterday anyway. I know everything and I still love you the same. It was moments like that where the Lord whispered truth into my heart of his love and his grace that broke the shackles of condemnation, guilt, and shame off of me and really set me free to live the life that I long to live, a holy life. And if you are the kind of person that's listening to this and you're looking for any excuse to live in sin based on a scripture I give you, then repent. That's wrong. That's not right. Snap out of it and get before God and ask him to help you. I'm not giving a um, license to live a way that is not pleasing to God in a way that honestly is just hurting you and destroying your life. But I am saying, I'm talking to the people who are riddled with condemnation, guilt, and shame, who don't know who they are and don't understand the grace of God. They want to live right. They want to do all these amazing things, but they're still trapped with some bondages that they can't get rid of. God is not impatient with you. He is the epitome of patience. He isn't furrowing his eyebrow in anger because you can't get it right. He isn't disappointed with your incessant failings. In fact, he's done. He's the one offering to pick you up. He's cheering you on. 
He's offering all the grace you need to overcome the lethal grip of whatever it may be so that you could live in the beauty of his holiness. You aren't holy one minute and unholy the next. You aren't the righteousness of God when you're living right and a filthy sinner again when you fail. You are the righteousness of God in Christ in spite of your sin and you're learning to live righteously every day by God's empowering grace. You know, when people think of holiness, they think of like stained glass windows and like, you know, confessionals. And I don't know, I grew up in the Catholic church. And so, um, <laughs> I, you know, sometimes you think holiness is be somber, be quiet, don't smile, you know, you, you know, go to church and you confessional booths and stained glass windows, but that is not holiness at all. Holiness is the perfection of God, the beauty of God, his, his nature, his peace, everything that he is, the purity of him, his light, all that he is beaming through us. It's a beautiful thing. I've coined a, you know, there's a term that I believe the International House of Prayer coined, but it's happy holiness. You actually are happy and satisfied when you walk in the nature of God and embrace holiness and grace. And so I want to end this here. And I just want to say to you, you're loved and you can't earn it. (laughs) There's nothing you can do about it. You can't send your way out of his love and his kindness. He is pursuing you. He is after your heart. He is not trying to make you to, to perform perfectly. That is not the covenant that we're in. It is not a covenant of performance and modification of your performance. It is a covenant of heart-to-heart connection with a living God so that we could walk in his love and his truth and his power. And so as we end today, I just want to pray. Um, For those who are listening right now, I know what it's like to suffer with condemnation, shame, and guilt, wanting to live holy, wanting to do the right thing, wanting to be powerful and preach the gospel and do amazing things for God. I know what it's like to feel disqualified. I know what it's like to get down on myself and beat myself up for small and big things. I know exactly what that's like. And so um, this is a passion of mine, and I just want to be able to pray for you. And so if you're listening to this and you need this, Put your hand on your heart and just close your eyes. Um, Not if you're driving, okay? (laughs) If you're driving, don't close your eyes, okay? And keep your hands on the wheel. But if you are in a place where you could be quiet, you can close your eyes, you could put your hand on your heart, just receive this right now. Lord, I just thank you for every single person listening. I thank you that you have called them the holy living, but they can't do it on their own strength and abilities. I thank you that you have marked them and you have called them to greatness and they can never get there in their own power and abilities. And I just pray that the empowering grace of God would pour into their heart, that they would have revelation after revelation of who you are, what you've done for them, and who they are in you. That you literally, the spirit of wisdom or revelation would overcome their hearts so they would be illuminated to see what you see, feel what you feel, know what you know. In the mighty name of Jesus, they would feel your love. That something supernatural would take place where lies would break off of them, mental bondage, spiritual bondage would break off of them, and they would walk in the freedom that is theirs. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed, and it's for freedom that you set us free. And so I thank you, Lord, for holy freedom in the mighty name of Jesus. Lavish your love on them. Show them who they are in you. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Part three will be in a couple weeks. This is our series, The Supernatural Power of Grace. This was part two. Thank you so much for tuning into Awakened Podcast. Tell your friends, family, share this on uh, social media uh, so we can get this out to more people. Uh, Subscribe, rate, review the podcast. 
We'd love for this to bless and impact more hearts. If you've been touched by this, especially um, play this for someone or share this with someone that you know really needs this message. And so thank you so much, guys. And I'll talk to you next time on Awaken Podcast. Hey guys, Michael Lombardo here. Uh, Just quickly, I just want to make a resource available to you. I wrote a book released with Destiny Image Publishers called Immersed in His Glory, a supernatural guide to experiencing and abiding in God's presence. My desire is for you to get to know the Lord in a experiential way, to break every barrier to experience God's presence in your everyday life. I've met people all over the world that are just hungry to know Him, but just don't know how to get there, don't know how to experience Jesus in a deeper way. You know, what keeps you from encountering Him in a greater way? Do you feel unfit to enter His presence? Do you feel stuck? Maybe you worry that you don't know enough to meet with God. Every human being is hardwired with a need for intimacy with God. When this need isn't met, we search elsewhere and we find ourselves broken and unfulfilled. But connecting with God is of utmost importance. And in this book, I'm just inviting you to experience this vital union with the Holy Spirit that is greater than you have ever imagined. A continuous fellowship with God where a lifestyle of miracles, visions, visions, encounters becomes normal. All right, so in this book, you learn how to be free from self-condemnation, guilt, and shame through intimacy with the Holy Spirit. You learn how to um, have guidance from God as you experience His presence every day. You overcome lies that have held you back from experiencing more of God. You get a revelation of your inheritance that was already freely yours, you know, through the lavish gift of grace through Jesus. And so I just want to present this to you immersed in His glory. You can go to Amazon and find it there. You could also go to my website, lifepouredoutintl.org. LifePortOutintl.org, or you can go to destinyimage.com. The audiobook is available as well on Amazon.com, as well as some video teachings at destinyimage.com. And so, bless you guys. Grab a copy of Immersed in His Glory. Thank you. <laughs>